there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, uh, he's a week late. We meant to do this podcast last week. We're doing it this week. I have to get my wisdom teeth taken out, so last week was a mess. Greg Smith is joining me. Greg, how are you? I'm very well. Um, I, I'm happy that we were able to get this done. It sucked that we couldn't do it last week, um, even more so because of the reason that you couldn't do it. That sucks. <laughs> um, how are you coping with the fact that you just like like sighed? Your, your whole body just sighed when I said coping. I don't I don't know if you know where <laughs> I'm going with this. Or how are you coping with the fact that? Uh, this is probably LeBron James's best chance late in his career to win an MVP and maybe his last great chance, and it's going to be taken away from him because of injury. I thought you were going towards the Lakers. I didn't think you were going there. Um, that's difficult. Um, it sucks because it really – I'm not going to go full Nick Wright and say that Nick, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic is not deserving. Okay, that was dumb. That thing was dumb. That was a bad take. He's having a great year. And I like um, Nick Wright. That was a bad take, though. Yeah, it's weird because I like them both. I like Jokic. I like Nick Wright. I think we do this thing with Jokic because he's not, like, athletically gifted. That, like, there are some people that will always just downplay what he does. But what he's doing is incredible. Like, people just don't do that. So, um, I, but be, with that being said, like, it does feel a little weird because he's he's having a great year but it still feels like it's in part because of guys falling off by the wayside because of injury. Um, namely LeBron James, who I think was really on pace to win the award until the injuries. Um, so yeah, it, it does hurt. Um, and it also is in conjunction with the fact that it seems like this season for the Lakers has just never really gotten out of the gates the way it needed to. Um, and I feel like they're heading towards a flame out early in the playoffs because of it. I don't have my confidence back yet. The like lukewarm opinions of Nikola Jokic, I think sort of kind of coincide with just the way that people view the Denver Nuggets. And I think part of that is because of the fact that like relative to how good of a team they are, like they're third in the Western Conference. They're not on TV a ton. Like Milwaukee is on every single night. They're third in the East. Denver is like rarely on TV. So I think everybody just has this idea of Nikola Jokic as this like bumbling out of shape white dude from Serbia that just happens to score a ton of points because nobody else plays for him, I guess. I don't know, but like he makes ridiculous shots. Um, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Nebraska football. Uh, we wrapped up the, the spring period of Nebraska's offseason a week ago. Nebraska had a spring game last Saturday. It was interesting. The white team won for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, and one of the only times I, I believe in spring game lore uh, that the white team wins. There were conspiracies that Frost wanted to change the outcome to teach the red team how to lose, which 
Is that, is that a thing? To that, wow. I yeah, I, I saw that a little bit on social media, which like I'm not going to say it's record, but I don't think they need lessons in the spring about how to lose. I mean, that they need lessons in the spring about how to win games. Um, but the spring game was fun. Spring overall was an optimistic period for Nebraska. And so, Greg, I have you on because we are going to – we're going to – you have a list of five guys. I have a list of five guys. There might be some overlap. Initially, what was going to happen was I gave – the prompt that I gave you was the five uh, players on Nebraska's roster that made the most of their spring. And I thought about it, and then I changed the the rules a little bit and said, no, instead of who made the most of their spring five, you're, you're most intrigued by coming out of the spring. Gave us a bigger pool of players less possibility for overlap. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, But I have said, I want to start these podcasts with absurd hypotheticals. And I have one for you this week um, that is breaking from the tradition of like exchanging bodily harm for monetary gain. (laughs) It's going to be Nebraska football related actually. Okay. You can have this wide receiver room as currently constructed. So Omar Manning, Samori Toure, Oliver Martin, Xavier Betts, Alante Brown, Will Nixon. Everyone is healthy for the entire season. You get this wide receiver group okay. completely healthy. Omar's on the field all year, all 12 games, all 13 okay. games, all 14 games if you want to go that far. Whoa. And Wandale Robinson is with them. He's okay. still here. He has not left. He did not transfer this offseason. The trade-off is if you take that, Adrian Martinez has left for the NFL. So your quarterbacks are Luke McCaffrey. Well, no. Yeah, let's say he left too. Your quarterbacks are, this is how I thought it in my head. Your quarterbacks are Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. And then Matt Masker is a walk-on. Luke McCaffrey transferred. Adrian Martinez left for the NFL. So one guy that left is now back on the team. One guy who did not leave has left. So you get Wandale, but you do not have a quarterback that has played a snap at the D1 level. Do you take that deal? Boy, uh, you were going to tempt me until I – I don't want to say I have no quarterback, but I have a quarterback with with no experience. If I could get the two years down the road version of one of those two guys, I would take that. Um, But I'm not, so I can't. I have to go with – keeping the current wide receiver core uh, and Adrian Martinez uh, because I think he'd make the difference there. Um, But that wide receiver group would be really fun. Um, There's also an odd, like not to derail what you propose, but there's also an alternate universe in which they have Samari Torre, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Wandale Robinson, and JD Spielman elected to come back for an additional year. Um, there's that but we won't if we're being honest people... that, <laughs> that thought process is what spawned this this question because i was thinking about man what would this receiver group would we feel different about this receiver group if wando robinson was still here that's kind of what initially kicked off this question okay. if luke mccaffrey was in the picture would you would you take that no 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 doesn't change no, anything not no, no not after maybe if you had asked this time last year Maybe, but then we would the situation would have been different. Like, but I just mean before we saw 
um, McCaffrey playing multiple games, but that he no, actually I, wasn't very good at playing quarterback. Yeah, like that was tough. So <laughs> that so no, I still have to have. I, I still think you have to have Adrian Martinez on the team, which also brings up an interesting thing where we're in this weird situation with Adrian where there's a segment of people that just can't wait for him to go and maybe they don't think he's very good but when you pose hypotheticals like this no one's itching to get rid of him right like it's just it's or you know there's a deep panic about if he has to miss games this year Um, there is that we're in a real interesting spot with Adrian Martinez right now I would credit that to just how great of a of a human he is of a person he is a man and and a captain for the team um, and I think too, like, oh, hey, Stranger Things just tweeted a trailer for season four. Cool. We'll have to oh, watch nice. that when we get off. We'll just pause the podcast right now and go watch the trailer. <laughs> um, I think going through that stretch with Luke McCaffrey kind of showed people like, oh, Adrian's actually kind of good. And I say this with all due respect to Luke McCaffrey. He can be a good quarterback. He was not a, he was, he was not an effective quarterback for Nebraska last year. So. Um, that's done and dusted. Let's move on. That's kind of what I thought you were going to do. It's not exactly absurd. Like, you know, getting pelted in the face with a volleyball for a million dollars every year. Uh, most intriguing players post spring. This can kind of be, I mean, it's, it's a deep prelude for me to the, the 10 most intriguing Huskers series Mm -hmm. that I do every summer. Um, but that one might look different than what I have here. I started out like I just went down the roster and I've got like 18 names on my list. And then I just tried to whittle it down to five, which I guess speaks to sort of where we're at with this team. Did you do something similar? Did you have a big list that then you kind of like whittled down? Yeah, I did. And I do, I think you're dead on there. I think that this does say it is exactly emblematic of what's going on with this team. Um, and a question that we actually had in the mailbag about the offense, like we had a couple of them actually about the offense and would it, would it be better? And they had the pieces and this and that. And my part of my answer on that was, is yeah, they have the potential, but you also don't know exactly what you're getting from any of the components but at the same time, you don't expect them to be bad, right? And so that makes it to where I think you get so many intriguing guys um, from all sorts of position groups going into this year. Let's let's just start by like going through your list. If there's overlap, then I'll jump in. Let's start. Let's start. Do you do you have them in order, or are they just in, just randomly thrown together? Um, they are randomly thrown together, but I kind of know the, like where I wanted to start. Okay, let's just just. Just do what you feel. Go with go with where you <laughs> want to start. We'll roll from there. All right. Um, I'm going to start with Omar Manning. Um, he's on I my list. Well, he's actually the... not on my list. He was on my list, and then he got whittled off. He got oh, crossed. Really? Yeah, he wow. was one of the last cuts. Wow. I'll explain um, once you're done. Okay. I, I just think that he's such a obviously a unique talent, um, and that he and he's going to make them better, provided he's out there and he's out there on a consistent basis. Um, and it would, and he's a great pairing with Samari Toure. It, it's just the hesitation, like I just had, of the will he be out there? Is he fully acclimated to the team? Um, and all of those sorts of off the field questions that we don't really have great answers for, or great insight into what's exactly going on. Um, and, and I think that to me, that like, it's a big mystery. And I don't know if 
like I don't know if I would necessarily say that having Omar out there or not changes like how many wins they're going to have. Maybe it does because if I'm if I feel like I'm getting a hundred percent of what people think he can be or what Frost thinks that he can be, maybe that does impact things quite a bit. Um, but but I, I it would be nice to get to see that because I feel like we end up in these situations at wide receiver where it feels like patchwork and we're always waiting on that guy to really show up, whereas Omar can be that guy this year that they thought he was going to be last year. So none of that is none of that is wrong. All of that is that. I mean, that's the reason he was on my list initially. He was crossed off my list pretty early on, actually, in cuts. Because I feel like right now, Jamal Murray just tweeted Nick wrong, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) He was crossed off because I feel like, and this is kind of, what you were talking about, is he a guy that if he's on the field, does he dramatically change them from a wins-loss standpoint? I think he he changes the offense, which will in turn change their record. I, I think they've played so many coin flip games. And one of the things that has really been lacking, and one of the reasons why it was so tough to lose Wando Robinson, like we talked about in the open, and to a lesser degree, J.D. Spielman, was they haven't had, through these first three years, enough guys who, in those coin flip games, like, those kinds of games, those close back and forth games, like, you're playing Northwestern every year. Like, you need you need a guy to make two plays over, over the course of a second half or over the course of a fourth quarter. Three plays, something like that. A couple plays, a handful of plays from a handful of your star players that win you games. And I don't think Nebraska has had enough of those guys making enough of those plays through three years. I feel like right now, even though he hasn't played at the D one level, Omar Manning is that kind of player. I feel like I know that with a good degree of confidence, just based off of his Juco tape, his production at the junior college level. And frankly, just what he looks like, he looks like that kind of a player. And then you see him practice and you see him on the field and you see them targeting him. And he looks like that kind of a player. So I feel like, I feel like I know what Omar Manning is going to bring to this offense. The only question that I have with him is, will he be on the field for the offense? And so for that reason, it's not really intriguing to me because I feel like if X happens, I know what Y is going to be. Okay. So that's why he was crossed off my list. That makes sense. And I think that part of, part of the whole thing with Omar too is, and it's not, it's not solely what his production is. It's to me, it's very much tied to what he does, what him at full strength, hundred percent does for the rest of the offense and what that could do. And, and, and Toure talked about it after the spring game, right? About those two being lined up next to each other would be a lot of fun. That would, that would be great. And so I do think that both of them together would give each other a nice boost. And you just hope that you're able to see that. 100%. Put them on the same side of the formation. And Tori said, you have to take away one of us. You can't take away both of us. And if you take away one of us, then the other one is going to hurt you, which is absolutely correct. That's why, right. um, and Brandon Vogel has talked about this and people have written about it. That's why teams are putting really good receivers in the slot because you can do that kind of a thing if you have a second really good receiver, which makes the other side of the formation super interesting. And why I have three receivers sort of like in a mishmash amalgamation of a player on my list but let's go back to your list 
next play. Okay. Um, let's, I'm going to stay on the offense and actually give you um, one of your favorite players that not steal your thunder, Beef Jerky, Cam Jurgens. He's on my list. <laughs> okay. He's on my list. Good, good. So uh, here's the reasoning why. I feel like we got we went through the whole spring, and actually I just wrote a story about this, about the offensive line kind of leading the way for like a, a physical spring. That was the buzzword of this spring. I think I wrote in the story that if we did a big word bubble, physical would be very large in that word bubble um, of all the things that people said over the spring. What Cam Jurgen said throughout the spring, I think we talked to him twice, and uh, once during the spring uh, practices and then once after the game was that he and the offensive line embraced that grind. They felt like they led the way for um, the team being more physical, the offense really at large, right? That kind of caught my attention. I really like that. I also like that I don't feel like we did a lot of talking this spring about Cam Jurgen snapping. Like, I don't think that that really came up. And I've said this before. I'm sure I've said it here. I've said it elsewhere. When we're not talking about Cam Jurgen snapping, we're talking about a really good player. Like, he's been very good when we're not talking about that. Now, that is a big if, right? Or when we're not doing that, because that's been a big deal throughout his career. And the times that he's cleaned that up, um, he's been really good. So I am intrigued to see if he can continue what seems to have started over this spring, if he continues to, to set the tone for that offensive line, because now he's the leader of that offensive line group as well. Um, and I think that his play being elevated does elevate the offense um, because we saw what happens when they're having the snaps all over the place and it's throwing off timing and the confidence of Adrian Martinez. So I think Cam Jerkins is largely important and we I don't think we talked all that much about how important he is throughout the spring. Did you read my day after the spring game column? Was that the one that you made the bold prediction? Yes. It's on my list. I have not gotten to it. I feel bad. But I don't, it's not a bold prediction. Okay. The prediction was that Cam Jurgens was going to be on the first or second all big 10 team at the end of the season, which I don't, I don't think is a bold prediction. I think that Cam Jurgens is the single most important player for Nebraska's offense next season. Not Adrian Martinez, not a wide receiver, not a running back. I think it's Cam Jurgens. And so let me kind of deconstruct like what I think is going to lead to a good offensive season. It, it, and I've said this like all spring, it has to start on the offensive line. So if you are winning at the point of attack, if you're winning in the trenches, you're, you're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better. If you're able to run the ball, better with more consistency from the running back spot, not relying on quarterback scrambling when the play breaks down in the passing game. If you're able to do that, defenses, you know, press up, you're going to get more guys in the box. Then the vertical pass opens up. If they connect on those plays, then you're cooking. Right. But the first thing that has to happen is the offensive line has to win its one-on-one battles, which means that the very first thing that has to happen is Cam Jurgens has to put the snap on target. Timing in this offense is so important. As you know, you've written about before. I've written about it before. I talked, the, the people that I talked to that were close to Cam working with Cam last year said that it was a little bit of a mechanical thing that was leading to a mental thing with him with snapping. When we talked to Greg Austin at the beginning of the spring, he said, it's just mental right now. It's just mental with Cam. And the, the people that I talked to before had great deal of confidence that he was going to get the little mechanical thing fixed because they were working on it. When Cam, like you said, is when he's on target with a snap, 
he's awesome. He's really good. It's mm-hmm. clear as day why they wanted to put him at center. Oh yeah, you totally see it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. The blocking instincts and just the 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 combination of athleticism and physical prowess that he has. He the, uh, quarterback dart play in the spring game. He just completely moved Darry uh, Damian Daniels out of the way. Just just shucked him aside like he was not a three hundred and fifteen pound man. Right. Um. So, so Cam Jurgens is on my list. He's probably going to be pretty high in my 10 most intriguing uh, series this summer. I think he's the single most important player for them because of the snapping thing. If that is fixed and it's instead of, instead of like 90% of the time it's on target, 10% of the time it's not. And it's like 99 and a half percent of the time it's on target. And you'll get like one every couple games. It's not, or one every, I guess I don't know what the ratio of a normal player would be like one every game or something like that. Something small, something minuscule. That's not going to impact something that you don't notice. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't notice it in the spring game. Nobody talked about his snapping in the spring game that I saw. I didn't notice it. I wasn't looking that hard, but I didn't notice it. Um, If it's better, I think he can absolutely be like among the best centers in the big 10. And so for that to happen, he's still a sophomore, probably got another year before he looks at the draft. If that kind of step happens for him, like they're in business. Yeah. And I think that that to me, the offense thing that has been missing from, well, one of the things that has been missing from this offense um, is that consistent running game. And I think that we talk like we talk a lot about the downfield passing um, and we've already mentioned it a couple times in the spot so far. And I think that that's important. I think that they do need to have that, but what opens all of those things up in this offense is a consistent running game. And I think that being able to hold up at the point of attack and not only that, but move people, which is not just obviously not just on cam, but on the other four guys too. And I think I have more confidence that they'll be able to do that with the guys that they have. I think that that's largely important. And this is why I I always phrase it this way about Nebraska, when they start the season this year, if they're going to start quick and they're going to start well, it'll be because the offensive line hit the ground running to start the season. Like I really do. I'm I'm with you in a large way on that, that it has to be, it has to start up front for this team. And it actually makes sense that if we go through this physical spring where that was all of the talk, and we talk about the offensive line embracing that, it would then make sense that we get to the season and we're talking about those guys saying, we just had a continuation of camp and we just wanted to hit the ground running. We wanted to punch people in the mouth and get downhill running. Like that would, that kind of makes it like, to me, it would be different if we weren't talking about that at all. And then all of a sudden we needed it to happen, but it's an, it seems like a natural progression. Completely 100% agree. And it was interesting too, you know, the, to go back to the original prompt of who made the most of their spring from a, leadership standpoint we didn't talk to cam a ton before mm-hmm. this spring i don't I, I mean i can i think i can count on one hand the, the amount of times that i had talked to cam jurgens before this spring and we got him a couple times and then he was in that through our eyes video series that nebraska is doing and, and and he was really good um, yeah he, he i mean he was pretty featured in that um so you think about like brendan hymas and matt farniak leaving exiting the program farniak was a two-time captain for them you know, I, don't, I know a lot of people weren't exactly, they were left wanting with his play, but from a leadership standpoint, from a vocal standpoint in that room, he was a, a presence that it seemed like a lot of guys respected. And so there was that, that void. And like Matt Sichterman 
it, it sounds like has sort of stepped up into that, but it also seems like Cam Jurgens big time has stepped up into that, which is what you want to see from your center. So yeah. next guy on your list is Matt Sichterman on your list. Is there another offensive lineman on your list? <laughs> no, Matt Sichterman is, is not on my list in the pared down list. Um, there's not another offensive lineman. I'm going to go. We have not talked defense yet, so I'm going to, I'm going to pick a defender. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm very curious if this guy is on your list. Luke Reimer nope. is, is on my list. And here's why. So I feel like we assume, and I think it's a good assumption, not to say that up front, that inside linebacker is going to be strong for this team in the upcoming season. I think that's a safe bet. I think they are going to be good. Um, Luke Reimer, when healthy, looks like the type of linebacker that they want in this defense that can fly around, that has good football instincts, sideline to sideline kid, tackling machine. We saw that um, in the times that he's played, right? And so I, I just, the only, I, I, the reason why I'm intrigued is because I get nervous with this program and where it's at right now about just assuming too much. And maybe that's just, you know, where they've been and what's been happening with the program over recent years. Um, but it's almost like you're waiting for the, you know, the chair to be pulled out from under you, even when you feel really good about this. And I think Reimer has the potential to talk about all big 10 type players. I think he has that type of ability it's for him. I think it's a largely in part to if he can stay healthy as he's been nicked up while he's been here. Um, and so if he can do that, I think that he has a really great shot to be an all big 10 level player. But for that, I'm really intrigued and interested to see what happens with him this year. Because if you feel like, I, I think you feel like you're going to get steady play from Chris Kolarevic. I think that you can get outstanding play from Luke Reimer. And I think that that's what makes me really intrigued by him. Everybody remembers the, the Northwestern game where Luke Gifford after the game said that's an NFL linebacker right there. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting. He was not on even my initial list of like 18 names that I said he wasn't, wow. he wasn't in there. I have his uh, who projects as his um, partner in the, starting okay. middle of the defense and Chris Kolarovic, but I do not have Luke Grammer, which is probably an oversight on my part, but I had Kolarovic in there for sort of the same reason that you have Reimer in there. And it, because of the loss of Will Honus, I think it becomes, I mean, he's obviously still going to, he's, he's still going to be part of the team. still going to be with the team. So he's still going to be on the sideline helping things, but I think it becomes imperative because Reimer's still young. Last yeah. year was his first year as a, as a full-time starter. So I think it, 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 there's even more of um, more asked of Kalarovic this season on the field. If, if he's going to, if he's going to share those starter snaps with Reimer, I think there's even more asked of him now than just coming in and, you know, being a, a starter level player. I think he's going to have to be sort of the the veteran voice for that group perhaps the experienced guy for that group that that Reimer can bounce questions off of or that he can um be directed by that's why I had Kolarovic on my list but it's probably an omission that I didn't have Reimer on mine yeah but I think you could have went with any of those either of those two or Nick Henrich I think that any any of them really could have been a pick here um because it's going to be really like curious to see how they handle Nick because he played well right mm -hmm. at the end of last season 
Um, but they've also had this thing with him and outside linebacker. I don't know for sure if that's over. Like, I think there, there's a lot there, but that gives you a solid three-man rotation right there. And then you'll have Garrett Snodgrass playing in, at the position as well, who can come in and spell guys too. So I, I just really like the makeup of that group. Well, I mean, if you just think about what the picture looked like before the Honus injury, everybody, I think most expected them to go at that three-man rotation, right? With Chris Kolarovic and Will Honus and Luke Reimer. They really like Kolarovic. Obviously, everybody loves Luke Reimer. Barrett Rude talks about him uh, profusely, praises him profusely right. every time he talks about him. And so with Honus out of the picture for whatever the time frame is, like if, if you're going to stick with that three-man rotation, which we know Rude doesn't want to just play two guys all snaps every single game, then Henrich has to be that guy. Otherwise, suddenly a position of, of strength becomes a, a little bit of a question mark because you're like, well, is Garrett Snodgrass the next one up? If Henrich is better suited for outside linebacker, do we go with like Va Maga Clemens? Is Jackson Hanna a thing? Um, you know, it gets it gets a little dicey quickly if if Henrich. So I think, I mean, maybe the the Honus injury uh, impacts Nick Henrich the most. He's not on my list either, though. Next on your list. Oh. So we've gotten through three guys, so fourth guy. So since you mentioned outside linebacker, that's where I will go next. And this is, again, the spot that I you could have picked probably three guys um, at this position. But I'm going to go with the guy that I feel like has gotten just like, I don't think Mike Dawson mentioned his name a single time, Caleb Tanner. I, if, if Mike Dawson mentioned his name a single time throughout the spring, then, hey, but send me the transcript. I'm sorry. I apologize. It doesn't feel like we talked about Caleb at all. Um, he, had a, he went out and had a nice spring game. Um, and he got a tackle for loss and a sack. It was credited with the sack. Um, but at some point, the light has to come on for Caleb Tanner, and he has to be the type of player that they recruited him to be. There's been various things that have held him back. I still think namely that he was forced to play a year early or a year earlier than they wanted to, or that he was ready to do um, because he was very underweight when he got here and he still kind of has a problem putting on keeping weight, but he's been found a way to kind of maneuver with that. If he can be closer to the player that maybe say people think Feldarius Payne is going to be, and I am one of them who thinks Feldarius Payne will have a good year. That gives Nebraska another pass rushing option, which, boy, wouldn't it be nice for them to have a couple of those on the roster versus saying, oh, okay, wait, well, let's go Darius Payne's turn now. If Caleb Tanner can be that guy, I think that it helps them out tremendously, and it will be a nice way for, to, for him personally to just show sticking through kind of a, a up-and-down-ish career at Nebraska, which started with such promise when he was, you know, when they, well, they didn't flip him from Georgia, but he decommitted from Georgia, and then he picked Nebraska over a host of other Southern schools. Um, I think that he's very, very intriguing and is a guy that holds uh, key to unlocking another level that this defense could go to. He was on my initial list, and he was also among one of the early rounds of cuts. Okay. Sort of for the same reason as Omar Manning, because so so you're saying like you're waiting to see if he can take that next step. Mm-hmm. Nebraska has been waiting to see if he can take that next step, and I've yes. I've been kind of because he I mean he was one of the first names that came into my head when I started this exercise for all of the reasons that you just laid out. I'm still very intrigued by him and just the the physical skill set that he has. And then the comments from Eric Schnander 
last spring started playing through my head. So like one of the only times we got to talk to them before COVID shut down where he was talking about how you're a junior. Now it's got to start clicking. If it doesn't start clicking now, then we're moving on to the next guy. I wonder if he has not been passed up. If we keep waiting, okay, take that next step. Take that next step. He's got an opportunity. I wonder if he is what he is at this point and Nebraska has moved on to the other guy. Not necessarily moved on because I think he's still going to play a role. Like he was their pass rushing outside linebacker. Garrett Nelson would come off the field. Caleb Tanner and Feldarius Payne would, come, would go on to the field last year in those, those two down mm-hmm. linemen sets that they were running. I mean, he's, gonna still, he's still going to have a role. He, and he was effective in that role as, as sort of a third down um, guy that puts pressure on the quarterback. So I think he's – I don't say that to mean that he's not good and that he's not going to play. I still think he's going to play. But I wonder if waiting for him to um, – turn into that elite pass rusher type that they've been craving for so long is a little like waiting for Santa Claus to come down the chimney. Um, so I, I mean, I have, I have, I guess two outside linebackers on my final list of five. Okay. Neither of them are Caleb Tanner. Neither of them <laughs> okay. are Garrett Nelson and neither of them are Jojo Doman. Um, and like Tanner and, I didn't have Doman on my list. I didn't have Nelson on my list. I did have Tanner on my initial list and he got cut off because I'm thinking like, I kind of, I kind of, I feel like I kind of know what, what he is at this point. Now, if he, if he has a big fall, has a big summer and, and pops in, in, in the season, then that's great. And they'll be all the better for it. But I am a little bit more interested in a couple of other guys that are playing his position. Who, okay, who would get a hit me with the, the couple other guys? Who are the other guys? Uh, I have Javin Wright and Blaze Gunnarsson on my list. Okay. I Okay, I'll let you explain quickly. Do you, why. do you want me to talk about my list, or do you want to get to the last guy on your list? Because so far, there's only one overlap between you and me. Oh, yeah, we didn't have a lot of overlap. We'll go to – let's go to my last one, sorry, and then we'll come back to you. Okay. That's fine. Um, and usually we have more overlap on mm-hmm. these things. Yep. Um, my final guy, we're going to flip back to the offense. Uh, the Isaac's the topic of the spring running back. I really could have cheated and just picked running back the position, but I'm going to narrow it down to when I would have been perfectly justified. I'm gonna go with one guy and go with Marty step, um, as the running back that I picked that I'm very intrigued by. Okay. When we did our dev chart projection, you had, uh, Irvin atop the depth chart. Did you not? I, I believe I did. I swear to you, every single time somebody asked me about these running backs, I changed my answer. Okay. I'm just full disclosure. Okay. I'm like so confused by what I think is going to happen. Okay. I'm backs. trying to figure out where you, um, I'm trying to peg where you stand. Because I know that at some point, I, I know on that depth chart exercise, I had Irvin as the starter. Uh, somebody asked me about it. I said Marvin Scott. I think I went Gabe Irvin on the mailback question of who was going to lead the team in rushing. You did. Um, and that made me very nervous. I almost said Adrian Martinez, to be totally honest. Um, I mean, <laughs> like it would have been, it would have yeah. been that crazy. Um, but Marquis Step is is the running back that I settled on this exercise because. I, <laughs> I oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You did not have Irvin number one. I just pulled up the list. Your oh, yeah, running back one was uh, Marvin Scott the third, and your running back two was Gabe Irvin. So you did okay. not even hey. have step in your top two. He's not, <laughs> he's not on the two deep for you. Wow. That's tough. 
But that perfectly leads me into what I was going to say and the reason why he's so intriguing. I think this is going one of two ways in Marquis' step. I think either he's going to be the starter that leads them uh, in rushing and we're going to be like, man, that guy was really good. What was USC doing? Or and letting him get away. Or he's not going to play very much either because of injury or because Irvin and Scott and maybe Savvy Morrison or someone has, has figured out how to kind of blend a rotation together um, and, and be good enough. Like, I think it's very, I, and I don't know if it's fair or not, but I feel like it's boom or bust time with step and what's going to happen. And that's not even based necessarily the reason I don't know if it's fair or not is it's not necessarily based on anything that he did in the spring because we didn't see him in the spring, but also that kind of plays into it a little bit is what if he doesn't get healthy because he has had injury issues um, throughout his career. I feel like just with, with the way that they talk about the running back position, that they, they really value experience. They really value game reps. They value being in those high pressure moments. Like coaches like to say, when the bullets are flying, um, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to have that maturity? And I've, you know, with, with the running back position in particular, just because it's been so in flux during their three now spring periods. Um, I just try to take everything that is said about the running back position with a grain of salt, because everything changes once fall camp starts. And so, you know, I, I keep going back and forth on what I think like Jacques Yant's role can be. Um, I keep going back and forth on what I think Gabe Irvin's role can be because, yeah. you know, I looked at, I looked at, true freshman running back production for that piece on hailvarsity.com and and very good piece it's it's you it's two percent of the 400 that i looked at were boom and like 60 something 62 percent of them had less than 100 yards or something crazy like that It's, it's very boom or bust can he be that guy? There wasn't a strong correlation between production and like star rating. There was a strong correlation between star rating and opportunity, but in terms of production, like Gabe Irvin could play a ton and because he's a three-star, it doesn't mean anything. You know, all of the teen classes that I was looking at were guys that were ranked. They take multiple running backs in a class and the guy that was ranked like a hundred spots lower by two, four, seven, you know, had 58 carries and the guy that was ranked in like the top hundred had six carries. I mean, that happened. (laughs) Um, So he could get there. I had step one and Scott two in my depth chart projection. And I actually have Marvin Scott on my list of five. So we can kind of roll right into that and talk about that. I thought Scott, um, just based off of the the way the spring game played out, I thought Scott had one of the better days. Um, he, he obviously played right away as a true freshman, and he just showed a a little bit more of a a burst than it seemed like what he had a season ago. After the game, he talked about watching YouTube clips of Divino Zigbo and Amir Abdullah and trying to take pieces of their game and sort of build that into his game. He talked about wanting to work on his quickness this off season. Um, it looks like he's leaned up a little bit. He's got really good blocking instincts for a young player, uh, which I noticed a handful of times. Obviously he had the the block that sprang um, or that helped spring Xavier Betts's fly sweep touchdown last season. Frost made a, a, a big deal about calling him and, and giving him congrats on that play after the game. Um, I, I think 
you know, I, truthfully, what I think is we have no earthly clue what the running back position is going to look like come the fall because there are seven guys that I could see being the starter, and there are seven guys that I could see being the number two, and there are seven guys that I could see not playing at all. <laughs> right. Like, Step is absolutely – I agree with you. He's in that category of like, yeah, I mean, Gabe Urban and Jack Gant and um, Marvin Scott could just take all of his snaps and – through no fault of his own, like being out the spring ended up costing him snaps. And if he had played the spring, then he would have been the starter. And then at at the same time, the other part of me says like, I'm not overly concerned about him not playing in the spring because he's the only guy in the room that has in-game, like real in-game experience. Yeah. But it's also going to be, you saying that made me think of something else. When it gets to the fall, someone of those five to seven guys, has to take a step back in the amount of reps that they get. Yeah. How do you determine that? Like, so if we think that this is where availability gets important, I think. Yeah. That's going to get real. Like all of a sudden you are not going to be one of like, Hey, I stubbed my big toe. I'm not going to be out there. There cannot be any of that. Yeah. You got to, you're going to have to tough through it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, (laughs) you're not going to get that opportunity might not come back around for you. Um, come later in the fall trying to win a job yeah because someone's carries has to in someone's reps in the the fall has to take a dip yeah yant was there scott was there Irvin was there in spring ramir johnson was out savion morrison missed time um held ryan held talked about after the spring or, or maybe it was the uh the week leading up to the spring game he said that um he specifically singled out step yant and morrison have to get in a little bit better shape this summer, have to lean out a little bit. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so like there, there are some things that are, like you said, that are going to eat into um, preseason camp reps. So, you know, I mean, this could get decided um, in spring ball and, and they roll out with a, with a starter. I'm interested in step though, too, just like you, he was on my, yeah. he was on my initial list and then got pared down. So. Um, Blaze Gunnarsson. I have yep. I have Blaze slash Nash in my <laughs> fifth spot. Yeah. Blaze had a nice, uh, had a nice stunt. It got in for a sack in the spring game. Beat his roommate for a sack. He's uh, he's got athleticism at that size that is just like carbon copy of what they want that position to look like he was hurt the year before I'm and I don't put him on my list to say like he's gonna have a big spring he's gonna have a starter role it's probably gonna be like Garrett Nelson then Caleb Tanner then Blaze Gunnarsson but like what are you getting from Blaze Gunnarsson I'm very interested in that because I because like you we've talked about this before I loved him on the recruiting trail like, we, we saw him at the Friday Night Lights camp we've talked about this many times I loved him then I was like shocked by what he was doing at that Friday nights, Friday night lights camp. I loved him when he signed. I loved him through his first year and I'm still very intrigued by, by his ability. And this might be his first, like first real opportunity. Same goes for Nash. Who's part of a, you know, for obviously different reasons, he wasn't hurt a year ago, but he's just part of a really deep defensive line room. What do you get from those guys? It's, it's, it's cream on top of the root beer float. But like, it can be good. So they're on my list for that reason. With, with as much as you are as far a part of the Blaze Gunnerson fan club, I'm shocked that you did not end up going to that game that I went out to Iowa to see him play. 
Um, I'm still confused. You must have, you had to have been doing something important on how you did not go. Cause that was after that Friday Night Lights performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm always confused. I'm like, where was Derek at that night? But I digress. I think that- I'm gonna blame it on Alex. The, yeah, probably. That, that's, that's where it goes. So uh, no, she's going to yell at me. Um, <laughs> I think that he's really interesting. Um, I think that if he can figure out a way to make it to where they have to get him on the field for a handful of plays a game, I think that would be a really great spot for him. Because based on where he was with his health um, and him like putting together a full healthy spring, it sounds like this past this spring that just ended, that's really good, a really good step for him. He could do that again through the summer and fall and then get some playing time under his belt. And then maybe the following season can then really hit the ground running. I think that that would be a real nice pass for him. And it's a totally realistic thing. Um, and I'm excited to see him. Nash is so, <laughs> it's so intriguing because he's a guy that, uh, like for me in recruiting, I spent so much time talking about him and then thinking that maybe by now he'd be playing heavy snaps, but then you don't really think about all of these other guys that took really nice jumps in their game. Like, cause remember when two years ago, um, Damian Daniels was not the Damian Daniels that we see now and that we expect to see in the fall. Like there was no Jordan Riley on the team, right? At that point to then be the, the backup nose as well, that will get a lot of snaps. And then some of the other guys that have Casey come Rogers along, wasn't, yeah, Casey Rogers kind of stepped up. You knew or felt that Ty Robinson would, would be that type of guy that, that he's ended up being. That's what you recruited him to be. But all of a sudden that defensive line group got really deep. But what ends up happening, I think, for Nash is that it's really great in a way that he's kind of gotten to continue to learn behind all of those guys. And Ben Stilley, too, even though they don't play the same position as a guy that he can bounce things off of as well, Um, because Nash needed to work on his technique coming from the the small man football that he was playing um, to go to Big Ten ball. Like he, he goes from being always being bigger and stronger than everyone to like you've got to come earn it here in the big 10. He's still one of the stronger guys on the team, but learning those little technique things. And when he can marry those together, like if he can start to get a little bit of time this season, it would be good. It's still going to be tough though. It'll be much tougher for him to find those pockets of, of snaps than it will for Blaze Gunnarsson. Yeah. hundred percent. And that, I mean, really that's what landed them on my list is because the pathway for them, for both of those players to snaps is it, it has quite a few roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And so if it, because I'm a glass half full kind of person that would, that if they play in the fall, that tells me not that Nebraska has a bunch of bad players in front of them, but because they were really, really good that they leapfrogged a couple of guys who are also good. Um, So like, and like, we've, we've kind of danced around Feldarius Payne. Like he's gotta, he's gotta take Feldarius Payne snaps too, who you also in our mailbag predicted to lead the team in sacks. So yeah. he's there. Do you, do you remember playing? Of course you do. You're the, you're the recruiting guy and you play college football, NCAA EA sports college football all the time. The, the recruiting tool when you'd scout guys and then you would be scouting like a three-star who was like, I don't know, like a 67 overall when they're in high school. And then you scout them to the certain point and that it gives you the jewel and says, you've uncovered a gem. And then they jump <laughs> yeah. like eight, overall points and suddenly there are 75 you remember this i do remember remember that that is the kind of player that it felt like blaze and nash both were to me 
which is maybe underselling their um, their recruit status, which like you would be the expert on that. So if I'm wrong, tell me it's fine. That's what they kind of felt like when they were being recruited. Like they're, they're a gem. They're going to be awesome. Or it's just going to take them a long time to get on the field. So I'm yeah, curious what's I coming think, with those guys. I, I do think that I do agree with that in a way, because I think that their recruitments were both kind of different in that for as much as as excited as Nebraska was to get them, neither of them were super high profile recruits. Um, basically was uh, Nebraska or Iowa State for Blaze Gunnerson, uh, Oregon, Wisconsin, Nebraska for Nash Hutmacher, a couple of two other really good like in the trenches options, but not the like wide ranging national recruitment that maybe you thought that it could be. Um, so no, I definitely think that they were both underrated uh, in their recruiting. If I were, if I was a head coach, I'd be a terrible head coach, first of all, but if I was a head coach, I think part of my recruiting strategy on the defensive line would be to just offer whoever Wisconsin offers. That might be, I mean, that strategy. wouldn't be a bad, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. Right. Like Wisconsin and Iowa, like the, the thing, and there's a couple of these schools actually like in Northwestern at linebacker. Northwestern like, at, at, at Patty Whatever Fisher. they do, and now I'm part of that, is that their head coach is a great linebacker as well. But, like, whatever they do to identify those guys is very, very good. Like, I know people around here have a hard time giving Northwestern credit, um, but, like, they're doing a lot of things well in that regard. But, hey, in a couple of years, we'll be able to say that about Nebraska recruiting DBs. There you go. Hey, you could be. You there could. You hey. Um, okay, next on my list was Jabin Wright, who was the other outside linebacker I teased. He's on my list because we didn't get to see him in the spring game. And I really wanted to see him in the spring game after making the just ridiculously athletic one-handed interception in the open practice that you and I got to go watch. He's on my list because though I know what Jojo Doman is, Jojo Doman has been injury prone throughout his career. Now he played every single snap for them last year. He was awesome. He was a rock for them. And if he's healthy, he's probably going to do something similar again this season. He's going to play eight boatload of snaps but in that role which they are sort of like building towards making a mainstay in this defense because they've got a couple guys now that can play it because isaac gifford can be in this as well javin wright as was he 6'3 205 something like that he was a safety he's a long athletic safety he's bigger than jojo doman is he's got he's got some stuff to his game that i really want to see and you don't want to lose jojo at any point for any kind of amount of time but if if jojo either is forced off the field or needs to come off the field for like rest purposes or something like that for a couple of snaps i don't think that they would be worried to insert javin right into his position and just after you know what we heard from coaches about him and the, the spring that he had and then seeing him in that practice, just seeing his athleticism being on the field for, you know, really it seemed like this spring was was one of his first, you know, real opportunities. He's been injury prone um, to start his career as well. And I, was, I think he redshirted his first year. Um, he's on my list purely because to me, he feels like a, a blank slate that could be really, really good and could be like a utility player and could could be a useful player now in a role that they already have a, a really good player in. Yeah. I think that part 
part of my intriguing excitement for both Wright and Gifford falls into this as well, is that they've kind of demonstrated an ability to use JoJo in a way that I didn't really see coming, but I guess we weren't really thinking that it's in, he would be used in this way to begin with. Um, and, I, and I do think now part of the plan is to continue to identify guys like that who can play that role and make that a mainstay of the defense. And I, I think I've written this before that I think that that's a recruiting tool as well. Like you can go to guys and say, hey, Jojo Doman, assuming like, you know, hey, he's in the NFL we helped develop that guy and he played this hybrid role for us. And now we have Javin Wright or Isaac Gifford, whoever emerges. And then this can be you after that. I think that that's really good. Um, and I also think Wright in his own right is just a, wow, is a really intriguing player uh, because of the skill set that he brings. Like in theory, he can, because of his size, he can help you in the run game still and not ever be a liability, um, even though Jojo Doma, to his credit, has held up more in that than I thought that he would have when they started kind of doing this role. He's a really um, good edge setter. Yeah, he's been very good at that. And that's a credit to him on um, that as well. Um, but Wright also has the athleticism to then drop into coverage and take away some of those kind of mismatches. So whether or not you have like a bigger, slower wide receiver or you have a quicker tight end, you have running backs coming out of the backfield, like he can do a little bit of everything in coverage because of his athleticism. I do think that you have to find a way to get him some game reps and not have JoJo. Like you just don't want to go through a year in which JoJo has to play 98% of the snaps or whatever ungodly number it was last year um, because it, it's just not a sustainable recipe uh, for a guy who has been nicked up over his career and is missing the spring um, for, for an injury. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think they could find a way to get right onto the field. You're also talking about, what, like 33% more games this season guaranteed than what they played last season? I mean, like eight games when you're playing all those snaps is I – don't, I don't know that they – that looking back on it, they're like, yeah, we'd do that again if we, uh, like, weren't forced to do it again. Like, if you talk about that over the course of a 12-game season, he's – I mean, he's wearing down by the time you hit Iowa – they they play they play Wisconsin and then Iowa back to back weeks don't they to close out the season this season yes yeah so I, yeah, I think you're that, not gonna want that when you get to that I think they're gonna they're gonna need another guy to sort of fill that role um, next guy on my list is another I cheated again I've got three receivers I've got Xavier Betts I've got Will Nixon I've got Alante Brown so Jacob Padilla was the only person on our staff that did the um, the depth chart post that had at the backup slot position, Will Nixon instead of Alante Brown. I had Alante Brown. He obviously had a quite large brace um, sling apparatus thing on his left arm during spring, didn't play in the spring game. We don't know what happened there, but those, those three guys, all three of them are second year guys. Alante is a second year guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. I like I said, I kind of feel like I know what, what I'm getting from Omar Manning, as long as he's on the field. I feel like I know what I'm getting from Samori Torre. Oliver Martin is really interesting to me. He was on my initial list. I had like I had like six receivers on my initial list of 18, <laughs> which says everything you need to know about the wide receiver group at this I mean, point. Between did you have six receivers and four running backs? I mean, that's that's probably how that works. Uh, I actually had three offensive linemen. A uh, bunch of linebackers, 
and I only had one running back. Oh, okay. Marvin Scott was the only running back on my list. I also had Damian Daniels on my list. We can get into the the guys that got cut too a little bit if you want to. Um, Betts, Nixon, Brown. Betts, maybe did he have like an a, a underwhelming spring? Maybe that's a little too harsh to say. We didn't hear a ton about Xavier Betts, which was interesting to say the least. I would have expected to hear more about him. Um, perhaps it's just because you have Toure and you have uh, Manning and you have Oliver Martin and you also have Levi Falk still around um, who they trust. So maybe it's something, maybe it's not. I had him as the backup X behind Omar Manning, which you did as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the next step in his game looks like. And it'll be interesting to see what his role looks like this season, but I'm kind of intrigued by him. Not, not, and it's not negative reasons, but it's not for positive reasons. Cause I kind of would have expected to hear more than we did. Are you, are you with me? And that it was a little underwhelming, especially the spring game. I 100% am with you. And there, I think that there are two different, ways that these things go sometimes sometimes you don't hear a lot about a guy and it's just like oh okay like I don't honestly feel like we heard a lot about Austin Allen for example throughout the spring we talked to him multiple times so it feels like we heard more about him um and actually two availabilities in a row Mm -hmm. um at the end there but like it doesn't feel like Betts comes up either unprompted a lot or just in general and I can't peg if that's like Something that he's doing is there, is he behind? Like, what's going on? But I feel like there was more praise from Matt Lubick and Scott Frost about, well, Oliver Martin for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Wyatt Lever got talk, and then he gets talk all the time. It's an interesting situation. It's, it's he gets brought up all the time by bro. Frost. And then we got to the spring game and it, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to go there. So like, anyway, so like, then, <laughs> so then Omar Manning um, obviously came up, but we asked about him a bunch. Like that is something that everybody wants to know about. Yeah. And then Tour A just became like this mainstay um, that everyone is penciling in for, for a good year. And I don't think, I think rightfully so. So it feels like maybe what it is as I talk it through is that Betts feels a little bit lost in the shuffle right now. Yeah. And I don't know if that's accurate from what they see on the team, but that's what it feels like. And it, but it does feel like because of that, that he had a little bit of an underwhelming spring. Um, and it, it be, and especially in a year where we all kind of thought that this would be a, a breakout year for him after having a full year of being around the team and being conditioning getting in the playbook and getting adjusted to college football and i don't know if being lost to the shuffle is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing in in the grand scheme of things i mean sometimes young players that come in and are relied on a ton as a young player like sometimes you don't need that for your development like we were talking about with caleb tanner sometimes you need that time to develop um, where, you know, people aren't asking about you every single day. And so, I mean, maybe this is, this is good for, for Betts's development long-term. I mean, I think, and I think you would agree with me. I think eventually Nebraska as a program is going to reach a place where guys are going to get here. And unless they're, uh, you know, like a, a five-star recruit or unless they come in and they're just like hugely under, under valued or underrated on the recruiting show, guys are going to come in and it's going to take a year or two before, we ever hear from them, particularly in the trenches, but I think it, it could be the case on, on the, at the skill positions as well. Um, 
So I don't know, but I, I, you know, the reason I bring him up is, is because when the rosters came out and I saw the receivers that were on the red team versus the receivers that were on the white team, I thought, okay, I like, I, I like the quarterbacks that are going to be throwing to him on the white team. Cause they had Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. And I think both those guys can throw complete passes. Obviously they're <laughs> big Ted quarterbacks. Um, yeah. And Betts was there and I was like, okay, this is uh this is Betts opportunity to be the guy for the white team. And he was targeted a couple times. One of them bounced off his helmet. I think um, might've got turned around in his route or lost in the, the sun or something like that. I don't know, but it, it, there were just, there wasn't a ton. And so I'm curious what that means. There wasn't a ton of substance. And so I'm curious what that means. Um, Nixon for different reasons. He's on my list just because, they seem to really like him. They talk about his maturity all the time. And, and, you know, like I was talking about with Jacob, you know, I debated putting him at the the number two slot spot on the, the depth chart projection. And I just went with, with Brown, but it seems like both of them, Nixon was hurt before and Brown seems hurt now. So I, I guess <laughs> we'll see. Um, that's my list. We already talked about Scott and we talked about Jurgens. Who are some guys that got left on the cutting room floor for you? Well, Oliver Martin, as, as we like, we're talking about wide receivers. Um, I, I think, I think that he has a chance to be pretty good, and I think that he showed he had a couple of nice catches in the spring game, and I think that every once in a while, and we saw it a little bit towards the end of last season when he was able to start playing, um, and we saw it a little bit in the open practice and a little bit in the spring. You look up and you're like. He's really athletic. Like all the things that you hear from the testing results, like when they did the testing, his recruiting profile, uh, when he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, like it, he feels like a guy to me that I, he gets lumped in with other guys in the wide receiving group. And I don't necessarily think that he should. I think that he's closer to like being a mainstay in that starting lineup. And I think that if it was Martin, Manning and Toure, like as the first three receivers out there in game one, I, I don't think that that would be surprising at all. No, not at now, all. Now, yeah. after, yeah, after I assume that Betts would take that spot and run with it, um, I, I feel like that's your, your starting three group and that's fairly locked in. It felt like when Martin transferred to Nebraska, he the, the joke was that he was the guy that was just getting passed around the Big Ten. Um, I saw yeah. that joke a little bit on social media. Um, I mean, he's a, I say this as a white guy, he's a white guy, walk on wide receiver that came from Iowa. So there's, you know, there's a, a picture in your head that you're going to draw of what that, what that player is. And I don't think that's what Oliver Martin is. I don't think he's a throwaway from Iowa. I think he was, he's a legitimate, a legitimate scholarship guy type of guy. And I think like you, I think he's going to start. I mean, I had him fairly easily as my you know, one of my starting receivers. Um, so he was on my list. I had Xavier Betts on my list. Obviously, like we just covered, I had Omar Manning on my list. Um, I had uh, Brant Banks on my list. Okay, you're seems, getting some interior lineman love here. Seems like they, and not just that, it seems like he might be like that sixth man kind of guy that just plays wherever. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested by that. I really like positional versatility. This is how I draft my fantasy basketball teams <laughs> who can play multiple positions. This is how yeah. I construct FIFA 21 rosters who can play multiple spots on the pitch for me. And this is what I like in football, who can be versatile, who can play multiple positions. So he intrigues me. I've got Damian Daniels on my list. 
I've he got was on my extended list as well. I had Matt Sichterman on my list, like I said, just because I think any list uh, that is an exercise that begins with who made the most of their spring. I feel like Matt Sichterman belongs pretty high on that list. Absolutely. He went from, uh, I mean, because I went back and read my, um, my, my scoring the offensive line piece from, from before the spring, I think it was published in like January and in talking about that right guard position at the time, I, there was no mention of Matt Sichterman. I talked about new Willie, um, Trent Hickson. I talked about, you know, Ezra Miller, perhaps being a guy, Henry Litovsky was a guy that I talked about no mention of Matt Sichterman. So for him to go from that to, he's not only seemingly in the lead for the starting position at right guard, but also a vocal leader for that group. He had a, he had a really good spring. Um, and then I had Casey Rogers on my list. That about wraps it up. Man, speaking of a guy that I just blanked on, Casey Rogers should have been on the on the list. He could have been on the five um, as a guy that I think is, is <laughs> pushing for more playing time and potentially a starting spot on this defense. He's a really good football player, like a really good player. When you saw, when we did this depth chart projection exercise, you, yourself, Aaron, and Jacob all just put Stilly as the number one defensive end. Did you have any thoughts about me putting Stilly slash Rogers? Yes. I I almost put Rogers there. It is it's a that's a really tough thing though, because it's not as if Ben has done anything to like necessarily lose the spot because we know he didn't play in the spring and you know that he's a guy that's in the mix to be a team captain this year. I, I just think Casey Rogers is really good. Like, and I, and I probably should have like denoted that by putting an or, or like a slash there uh, to be honest, because I think that they're going to play close to equal snaps. I think the Stilly may run out there first, but I think that they're playing really close to equal snaps as it probably should be because um, Rogers has been that good in his time here. And in all honesty, I mean, it could have been um, Robinson slash Rogers. I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to have four starters on the defensive line in a three, four. I think that's yeah. the way that they're going to view it. Um, Casey just does little things that you like to see from young players he 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 has he i mean he has the two isms to use your your <laughs> absolutely you pick up on that he has those um like ingrained in him gets his hands up when he's not going to get to the, the the passer gets after it in pass rushing situations yeah i could totally see it being you know a situation where they've got four black shirt starters on the defensive line in a three four just just because of the way that they view him um Anybody else that was on 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 the cutting room floor that has not been covered for you? Um, no, I think that the the one thing though that now that I had him on kind of the extended list, um, but uh, Quentin Newsom is, is a guy that I, I feel like I wonder how much that like how locked in he is at that spot if that competition is ongoing or not, um, just because. We know three of the four spots, and really, we not only we know three of the four spots in the secondary, we know that Miles Farmer is going to heavily factor in. We've seen that Pola Gates has continued to elevate his play, which is a great side for him and for the future. Um, but what's happening at that other corner spot is, is does Newsom have that thing locked down, and what kind of player can he be out there? Lots of guys. 
Lots of guys. Which so many guys. You, I mean, you could take as a negative and say that they, they, you know, have a lot of question marks, or you could take it as a positive and say they've just recruited a lot of talent in now four cycles that they've signed. Um, which so they you could make the argument that some of this and some of these guys that we've talked about, like Casey Rogers is a guy, Quentin Newsom is actually a guy like this, guys that uh, Mouse Farm are kind of too, guys that have been developed yep. pretty well here. Like you got to get like they have to get to that next step to where they're consistent contributors on the field on Saturdays. All of them, like some of them have been Rogers has been really good already um, or pretty good already. But like you're starting to to see some of that, which is is sorely needed for Nebraska. And I think you're you're starting to see a little bit of, you know, most of when people say like, oh, Nebraska has been good at developing players. The conversation is sort of limited to the defense. People talked about guys being developed on the defense, not necessarily being developed on the, on the offense and it's mm-hmm. sort of focused on what Nebraska hasn't gotten from wide receivers and uh, wide receivers and running backs. But I think you're starting to see it with, with tight end with Austin Allen and particularly on the offensive line with Matt Sichterman coming out now um, with Cam Jurgens continuing to improve um, with Turner Corcoran. And Bryce Benhart just being ready to go after, you know, in some instances, months in the program. Um, so, yeah. So, it'll be an interesting summer. And uh, now I have a head start on my 10 most intriguing player series. <laughs> Good. I hope that hopefully something that I said gets one of these guys onto the list. I definitely leaned more youth with mine. You definitely lean more towards who's going to uh, play a good deal. And this team is very interesting. So we've got such, uh, a, such a unique season in that way. A lot of summer content um, on the, the horizon. I would say it's been about an hour so we can wrap this up. You've probably got stuff to do, Greg. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Glad we got to do it finally. Yeah. I'm happy we did it anytime. And uh, looking forward to seeing your gracious um, Nikola Jokic is my MVP <laughs> takes on Twitter after it's announced. It sounds like he's the guy. <laughs> Luke, there'll be lukewarm takes to be had. <laughs> lukewarm takes for the guy that looks like a doughboy. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week. Subscribe to Greg Smith's Straight Up Breakdown podcast. It's really good. Subscribe to all of the other podcast offerings. Brought to you by the Herd at Media Network. We are a proud part of the Herd at Media Network. Go to HailVarsity.com. Subscribe to the magazine. There's some good stuff coming. We've got the yearbook in the in the can coming soon it's not necessarily in the can yet but it's it's coming down the pipeline and then just keep reading hailvarsity.com we you know it's it's spring ball is over but we still got a bunch of content up on hailvarsity.com i'm running through all of the positions in sort of a deep dive field reset right now greg's obviously got stuff that goes every single day that are that are must reads not just on recruiting but also on what's currently happening on nebraska's campus right now so keep reading hailvarsity.com Keep listening to this podcast. I always appreciate you guys. And we'll do that next week. A Hoda Media Production.